And that was a mental shift for me to not to ask them like, Hey, give me 50, 75, hundred grand. Here's the opportunity. If you're interested, I can help you get into this opportunity. So that makes it easier. It's not like they're saying no to you. They're either not ready or they're not interested in the deal. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. All right, everybody. I am Javier Hinojo, your host of The Naked Truth about real estate investing. And today I have Justin Dixon from Austin, Texas. Justin from Austin. Austin from Justin. No, whatever. And But he's actually from an Amish little town outside somewhere in Pennsylvania. It's called Philadelphia. Oh, it's not an Amish country. No, it's not. But Amish city. But he is from a small town in uh, Pennsylvania and he's been married a couple of years. I don't know. We'll find out in a minute how many years he's been married. But uh, he used to have a great job, right? Six-figure job. And he decided to do real estate when uh, he read The Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2018. And he bought his first property like sight unseen for the most part until he went, went with the inspector and saw the property, which is great. After a few years of that, in 2020, he decided to quit his job, his nice golden handcuffs, and started his own recruiting company, 2020, January, right? So that just not the best time to go hunt for everybody. The world's falling apart, right? COVID. He took some, he said, I'm going to also switch to multifamily. He pays for some mentorship and he went ahead and learned and he had time in his hand. He had a lot of time in, and he started underwriting a lot of properties, like 200 the first year. Fast forward, he has 340 units and very energetic, not risk averse, but you're a calculated risk taker, Justin. So happy to have you on the show. Justin, go ahead and give us some more information about you. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Justin. Thanks for having me on. It was great to you know get a chance to chat and you know, my background kind of started out my career right out of college in recruiting. Been doing that for 15 years. Worked for large multifamily company or multinational companies as well as startups. And then January 2020, jumped out and quit a very stable six-figure job to uh, start my own recruiting business. January of 2020 was not a great time to start recruiting with COVID starting to ramp up. But um, 2020 was was a bit rough. But 2021 and 2022 so far have been uh, pretty amazing from a recruiting standpoint. And then from a real estate perspective, in like 2018, mid 2018, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Just kind of count, came across the book. I really had no real estate investing knowledge or experience, and um, found the book and read it. And uh, it was kind of like an immediate light bulb went off in my head. Like, what the heck am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my money? All that fun stuff. So I was married at the time and, and still am. And, and I had my wife read the book. And I kind of just said, Hey, you need to read this because I really wanted her to kind of get on board with like investing yeah, in real estate. Page, and, for sure. Yeah. And so luckily she's a really good fast reader. And so she read it like in a weekend and she was like, What the heck are we doing? Like, why are we not investing in real estate, investing in businesses? Because we were both W 2 jobs at the time. And, um, you know, we were making okay money, but nothing to write home about. So, we, uh, in 2019, we, we were living in Philadelphia and we um, were looking for multifamily, small multifamily, two to four units in, in Philly. Couldn't find anything that we really liked. And then we actually found a property out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My mom grew up in Pittsburgh, so I have some you know affinity with the area. It's just a side-by-side twin. It's uh, We bought it in May 2019 and we had a little hiccup with COVID with some people not paying, but they got assistance and all that fun stuff. And we have a property manager out there that manages the property for us. So the 15th of every month, I get a little email that says, hey, here's your owner statement and 
here's some cash. So, you um, you know, it was pretty cool. And yeah. So you said you bought a property, the, was that the first one in outside of Pittsburgh? Yeah. So the first property we ever bought, uh, we bought a condo for ourselves, okay. but the first investment property was this duplex in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Perfect. No, you're not from, from Pennsylvania. You're from Pennsylvania or where are you from? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in central PA, very, very small town in central PA and then moved to Philly in uh, beginning of 09. Now I'm in Austin, Texas. We've been here since October of 2020. So cool. a little over a year and a half. Um, I was in uh, Philly a few years back and I had a good friend take me all over. It's actually, I was very impressed with the city. And then like 15 years ago, I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's not Philly. I can tell you that. No. It was uh, like Amish country, right? I see yep. like boom buggies and horses and we got fed soup in like in a wood bowl. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I grew up with, uh, you know, grew up on a very small farm in, in central PA and, you know, there's Amish Mennonite all around us. And I lived in York PA, which is very close to Lancaster. I've, I've been to Lancaster many times, but yeah, Philly downtown, great little city. You know, it's walkable. It's great restaurants, great scene, all that fun stuff. But yeah, it was fun, but not uh, for what we were looking for from a real estate perspective. We weren't finding what we wanted because we wanted not something that had a big renovation project because we didn't have that skill set and didn't want to take that on as our first project. So we wanted to find something a little bit more turnkey. And I literally just Googled real estate agents out in Pittsburgh, found somebody, first call, called him and said, Hey, here's what I am. Here's what I'm trying to do. He's like, cool. So he video videotaped himself walking through a couple of of properties. And uh, I think it was a six or seventh one. It worked and you know we, we bought it sight unseen. First time I saw it was during the inspection. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. So I, I like that, you know, um, you know, 2020, right? You got a nice, you know, six figure job, right? Which is, you know, it's good. I mean, you know, you yeah. make it in six figures a year. I mean, you're not hurting, right? Right. For you to, first of all, just stop and, you know, start your own business, right? And then you happen to be 2020, so it's definitely a challenge, right? And then you're buying your first, you find your first property, investment property, and you don't even look at it until the inspection date. So that's definitely pretty. So I can kind of tell a little bit you're you're a calculated risk taker, I would assume. I don't know. Yeah, I'm very risk averse, but you know, I kind of I have to have things in order to kind of make it make sense and take the leap, right? So I always was under the impression that for any investment, you should be able to drive to it within like an hour. Like if you read a lot of blogs and listen to bigger pockets or whatever, you know, a lot of times they say for your first property, be able to drive to it, right? So you can see it. And that was my intention, right? We were looking in Philly, but we just couldn't find what we wanted. And Pittsburgh's five hours away. And my dad lives in Western PA. So it just kind of made uh, somewhat sense because I didn't want to invest out of state at that point. And yeah, and then jumping into our, my business recruiting business, you know, my wife and I, luckily, I, my wife is very, very supportive. Was, you know, we're both very risk averse. So I was hope, you know, wish one of us was a little more risk taking. No, we, we kind of built up a nest egg and really, you know, built a kind of framework around how we're going to do this. She had a stable job at the time. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things we, we kind of downgraded our lifestyle so that her salary could afford us the, the lifestyle that we still had. So we didn't have to kind of take a hit. And then obviously COVID hit, which was not ideal in 2020 and nobody was hiring. So my business was, you know, not doing super well. I made some money, but not as much as I did in my W2. But right. yeah, 2020 nothing wrong, really nothing wrong with having a sugar mama for 2020. You know? That's exactly right. Stay at home, exactly watching Netflix because right. no kids, right? No kids? No kids, just two no cats. Kids, right? so, so yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got a couple of things I want to hit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, you quit your corporate job, you launch your own business, you yep. buy your first property out of state. Right. Well, it was in state, just on the other side. Oh, in state, but, but yeah. other side, yeah, yeah. Um, in state, on the other side, without looking at it, put it that way. And then when you started your real estate career, this resonates with me for sure. Um, you downgraded. So talk to me a little bit about that, folks out there that are listening. That possibly there's two types of people, right? That well, there's like say high income earners, 
one thing is, you know, they want to go out and, you know, they want to start their own, buy their own real estate or start their own business. And then there's those that, you know, they enjoy what they do. Maybe they already own their own business and maybe they're really good at what they do and they make a lot of money. So right. they're, what they're looking to do is they possibly invest in other, other people's projects. But you were on that side, but you decided to actually do something for yourself because you read the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So tell me about the decision of downgrading. How hard was that from having multiple incomes to like basically living off of one, like your lifestyle? Tell me a couple of things that you, that you guys did. Yeah. So part of it goes back to my childhood. I was grow, I grew up in a very budgeted middle class house and my dad was very budgeted. So I still am today. Like I keep a very tight budget, not strict in the sense where we don't have fun and live our lives, but you know, my wife and I, we, we live below our means. Right. And, you know, we owned a condo and we actually rented that condo out. So we were getting a couple hundred bucks a month from that. We moved to the suburbs and the conversation was fairly easy because it was a joint decision between my wife and I. We That's were right. like, okay, if we're if I'm going to start a business, we wanted to make sure we had enough runway that if shit really hit the fan, excuse my French, if that really hit the fan, like we were still fine. Like we had a, a nest egg, we had like six to eight months worth of like living, you know, kind of nest egg in, in the bank, but we really didn't want to have to touch that. So we agreed and we moved to the suburbs. We took, we lived in a still a two bedroom, two bath apartment, but it wasn't the biggest thing in the world. It wasn't the nicest, but it was perfect for us. And it still had all of the amenities that we needed. Again, we were getting some money from our Pittsburgh property. We were getting some money from our condo that we were renting out. And, you know, my wife had a a good job and she was doing well. So it wasn't a easy decision. It wasn't a very popular decision, right? Like, you know, I talked to a lot of my friends and they're like, you, you, know, you live in this really nice condo downtown and you're moving to the birds and living in this like apartment. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And they just couldn't get that. Like there was a long game, right? Yeah, there was sure. like, I want to save money for my business. I want to save money so I can invest in real estate. And that's also when we started to make the pivot away from kind of the small multis into the syndication world and doing these hundred, 200 unit apartment complexes. So that was, you know, another kind of mindset shift that we had to go through as well. You're on mute. Yeah, uh, you hit this the segue pretty good because my next question was: um, so you did some single family from 2018. You read the books, you bought your first rental, kind of where you can drive to it without looking at it. And then uh, you said, "Hey, after a couple of years, what clicked and said, okay, we need a, we kind of need to go a little bit bigger." Like, what was your thought process and why'd you do it? Yeah, so when we bought the duplex, you know, it was it took a lot of our kind of discretionary savings, right, to put down the 25 percent down payment, all that fun stuff. And we were W-2 workers, so we didn't have a ton of just extra cash. So I kept coming back to this, like, use other people's money, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know a lot of people that have a ton of money that they could just invest in real estate. I had never been exposed to real estate investing, but I was like, I got to figure this out. And so I joined a mentorship group. I joined a syndication group in early 2020 as well. When I quit my job, that was kind of the reason why I quit was I wanted the time to focus on real estate as well as my recruiting business. And so I joined this, this syndication group and I realized very quickly that, you know, to take down these big apartment complexes, it takes a team. Like, you know, I can't do it myself. I don't have the track record and all the net worth, et cetera. And so I found people that were doing it that had done it for a while. And, you know, I could bring a deal to the table, find a deal, and then other people would help me take it down, raise money, asset management, et cetera. And that just was an appealing thing to me because it also sounded pretty cool to be able to say, Hey, I own that apartment complex over there. Uh, Right. So, so that was kind of the, always the goal kind of to kind of shift into that bigger stuff. And then, so you're focusing now on acquisitions, you're you're calling brokers, you're calling underwriting, things like that. And you're bringing a project to the table. Yeah. So 
just two seconds back, like in 2020, I joined the group and because recruiting was so slow, I had time on my hands. And so I really dug into underwriting and analyzing 100 plus union department complexes across multiple states. So I got, I probably underwrote over 200 deals that year. I submitted probably 10 or 11 LOIs and didn't, didn't land one, unfortunately, but it got me really good at being able to quickly look at a deal, look at the the offer memorandum and the T12 and all that fun stuff and, and be able to determine does it make sense for me to look at it more? So that's kind of what I'm doing now is doing some underwriting. We're working on putting an LOI on a deal today, actually. So, but then I also am trying to build my capital raising side so that when we do find deals, you know, for my own deals, I can raise money, but I've also raised money on deals for other people that are within the group. So closed a deal at the end of last year in Jacksonville, Florida. I brought a couple of my friends and, and investors into that deal. So that's the other thing that I'm also working on is really trying to build up that investor network. So when I have deals, whether it's my own that I found or people in the group that I'm with, they found, I can help them, you know, to your point earlier about people that are either really good at their job, love their W-2 and make a lot of money, but and they want to invest, right, in real estate, but they just don't know how to get started and they don't have the time to do what I'm doing and really get to know the markets, et cetera. Or they're a business owner and they want to, you know, diversify some of their their portfolio, if you will, and get into real estate. So, you know, it's it's fun to help people get access to these asset this asset class that I didn't know existed four years ago. Other than living in apartments, right? Yeah, well, you, um, drive by, you drive by, you're like, man, I wonder if somebody owns that. And you're like, right. you know what? Maybe, maybe I can own that, right? And That's right. Like, Who owns this thing? Yeah, which is yeah. crazy. Then you drive by, and you're like, holy crap, I own, you know, part of this apartment building. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely love um, kind of your the progression, right? And if I wasn't wearing my pajamas today's Wednesday, and I've been wearing <laughs> the same shirt since Sunday, and so just being in my house the last three days, haven't left, yeah. it would be in the back of my shirt. Right. So I have the three things that's I call the trifecta in real estate, right? Which is number one, you got to believe, right? So you, you read your book, you, so you had your wife read it with you, and you're like, you believe, like, hey, we can do, we can buy real estate, we can buy a business, we can do this, right? Yep. And then number two, what did you do? You went to network with like minded people. If you wanted to go buy some subway franchises, well, I, be, I bet you you would have gone to network or some kind of mentorship program that talks about franchises. You would have bought right. I'm sure today we'd be talking about the franchises that you've bought. So you networked. Right. And then number three, you actually took some action, right? It's one of the biggest things, like actually do it, right? You, you had some free time, you underwrote 200 deals. That's a lot. I mean, that's definitely a lot. And you didn't give up because we just heard you, you made 10, 12 offers and you didn't get any accepted and you didn't give up. Right. So that's, right. you know, the price of quitting is too great. And some people think like, Hey, I'm in it for 30 days. I don't have an offer. And then they quit, you know, and yeah. uh, you can't do that. So I like the flow the progression that you went. Now you have 340 units, 340 units. So Tell us about your first project. Yeah. So the first deal that we I raised money on was actually in Kansas City, outside of Kansas City, Kansas. And that was a two property portfolio. I don't remember the exact total units off the top. It was like 180, I think it was uh, across both portfolio or po- both properties. I didn't find the deal. Somebody in the group did. I reviewed their underwriting and, and felt it made sense. And I talked to a couple of my friends about you know who, who I knew were interested in real estate, but maybe had invested. And actually one of the guys that I didn't know invest in real estate, golf buddy of mine back in Philly, he was like, oh yeah, I, I invested in a, a small syndication a few years ago. I'd love to invest. And he was one of the investors I got into the deal. So, you know, it's it's sometimes funny that like the people you think are going to invest that are like, yeah, I'm interested. When push comes to shove, they don't. And then you've got other people that kind of are like, oh yeah, I'm interested. And they just say, yep, I trust you. Because that's what they're doing, right? They don't, some people don't have the time to, really underwrite the deal themselves or really go dig into 
you know, who the property is and all that fun stuff, they have to trust the syndicator or the capital raiser, me, to say, hey, I trust the people that are bringing me this deal. I validated it based on, you know, my underwriting abilities. And, you know, they're kind of trusting me to make sure that I'm a steward of their money. And, and that's the, you know, biggest, you know, stressor of being a capital raiser is not only investing my own money in these deals, but, you know, asking other people or offering this, this opportunity to them and then have them say, yep, I trust you, Justin, you know, here's 50, 75, hundred grand, take care of it and, you know, give me a return kind of a thing. So, you know, it's definitely nerve wracking on the first one to, you know, talk to people about it because you have that imposter syndrome, right. Of like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or, you know, I'm a recruiter, right. I'm, I'm not a capital raiser, but you know, you just got to keep pushing forward and you get smarter as you go through different processes and have different conversations. So yeah, that was the first one we did. And then, like I said, we closed another one in, uh, in Jacksonville last year. Yeah. So, you know, talking about capital raising, right. I've, I've raised uh, quite a bit of money right now. I'm raising uh, a little bit of money as well for a couple of projects, but same process. You got to believe you can do it. You got to network with people that got money, right. You know, it's just, you know, you got to go yeah. hang out with people who got money, talk to people who have money. And number three, you got to actually pick up the phone and ask them like, Hey, give me some money. Right. Well, not like that, right. but, but you know, you right, right. so you still got to do the same three steps you did before. So it's not, you'll be just fine, Justin, you'll be fine. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's interesting for sure. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it's definitely right. It's just, you know, if your personality is not, you know, to a, for people to help you, you know, like to ask for money and things like that, we just got to get, you got to get past that because you're, if you don't ask somebody, that's what somebody told me one time that raised a lot of capital. He says, um, you don't know where that person is at, what they need, right? So if you don't tell them about your business that you're, you know, you, you know, you raise capital for say, right? Like if you don't connect with somebody because you want to connect with them. And at some point they can put money in your project. You might be doing them a disservice because right. uh, they might be not having the best return or they're actually looking to place their money. It's in their bank account and there's losing four five, six, eight 8% on inflation every year. So yeah. every time you ask somebody, it's going to be, you know, you're doing them a service. And I kind of put an analogy and I actually never said this in my podcast, but I got one of my kids is uh, he's 20, man, I'm getting old. And uh, he's like, he was a little shy when he was talking to girls. If you guys, everybody out there who see my wife on Instagram, she's super pretty, a lot you know, better looking than me. So, you know, it's just, I definitely scored. I'll kick my coverage. But my whole mentality was even when you're raising money, I told my son when he was talking to girls, I said, Hey, just pretend you're a server and you're walking up, just, you gave somebody a basket of French fries and you say, Hey, would you like some ketchup or not? And if I say, no, thank you that server doesn't start crying and starts feeling bad because you said no to the ketchup, right? He right. just doesn't like ketchup, right? So same thing. Some people are going to like ketchup. Some people are not going to like ketchup. Some people are going to like you. Some people are not going to like you. Some right. people are going to give you money. Some people are not. So people out there that are shy or, or they just feel like they don't like when somebody turns them down, well, they just don't want ketchup, right? Just yeah. it's, it's that, that simple, right? And you got to ask plenty of people, you can raise capital. So Yeah, and to your point, they're also at different points of their life, right? Like I had a buddy yeah. who, you know, he earns a lot of money and he was say, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to invest. And then I talked to him a month later and he's like, Oh yeah, we bought a flower shop. You know, I invested in a small business in my hometown. I was like, so he's like, I'm not cash. I'm cash strapped at the moment. And I was like, okay. But you know, I know he'll invest at some point, sure. but so you never know what's going on. I go about it in less of like, give me money. Cause you're not giving it to Justin. You're giving it, you're investing it in a deal and I'm presenting you with this, this opportunity. Right. So that was kind of the mental shift for me was like to tell people, not to ask them like, Hey, give me 50, 75, hundred grand. It's you're actually, here's the opportunity. If you're interested, I, I can help you get into this opportunity kind of a thing. So that makes it easier. So it's not like they're saying no to you. There's either not ready or they're you know not interested in the deal kind of a thing. So Justin, I am jealous. You are in Austin, Texas. That's right. Uh, definitely. I am because I uh, definitely love Austin. 
Uh, yeah, we, we moved here sight unseen. We oh, have again, a, how are you risk averse? This is my question. You say you're <laughs> risk averse. I'm like, no, I'm like, you, you, I saw it when I was talking to you, you're, you're a calculated risk taker. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, this was a little bit more of a risk because my wife got a job down here. We didn't have to move, but she put in her notice at her current job back in Philly. She got the job offer on a Tuesday, Thursday of that same week. I was on a plane here to, to Austin wow. looking for apartments. We didn't, we'd never been here before. So I just kind of put a pin in the map and I said, okay, this looks good. Uh, we landed in a great spot. So that's good. But yeah, it's, uh, and then literally two weeks later, my sister and I are driving from Philadelphia to Austin in a U-Haul towing our car, all of our possessions. Nice. So that so, was so, an interesting. So how long have you been married, Justin? We've been married. Oh gosh, my wife doesn't listen to this. It's like eight or nine years. I think yeah. we'll be in October. All right, we say because you know the five most stressful things in life. Number one is when somebody passes away. I think number two, when you lose a job, just like somebody, you get you get let go today, right? And you got a family to, to take care of. Yep. You got responsibilities. Number three is getting married. Okay. Number four is getting divorced. Uh, kind of goes getting married, right? And number five is moving. Right. It's stressful. I don't like moving. I definitely do not like it. Even if I got movers coming in, definitely very challenging. But totally. you. Um, you got the job on Tuesday and on Thursday, you were already finding apartments in Austin. I'm telling yeah. you, you are a calculated risk taker. <laughs> all right. I talk about it. Maybe I am actually. Yeah, there you go. So a great venture capital. We yep. have all your social media links, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. It'll be in the show notes, guys. Although Justin, I've already, you have an extra follower now on Instagram because I just follow you. Thank you. Um, you got a website. Yeah. Yeah. Our website for is greatventurecapital.com. Check it out. Hire Tomorrow is the uh, recruiting business, but yeah, Great Ventures are uh, our, our real estate brand. So yeah. Awesome. Hey, so let's hit that a couple seconds. Recruiting business, what do you focus on? So I have been focusing a lot on tech as a lot of people are right now. Tech is very busy. Accounting and finance is actually being uh, pretty busy as well. I'm actually, it's funny, I'm, real quick, I'm actually working with a property management company here in Austin on helping them find accounting people for their team. We actually have used it's the property manager on our Jacksonville deal. So, you know, it all comes full circle recruiting in yeah, real estate. Cool. the accounting and finance marketing and tech are kind of the three areas that I've been really focusing on right now. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, appreciate that. Appreciate you being on the show. And yeah. before you go, it brings me to my favorite part of the show. And let's see if you stay married another eight years, <laughs> eight or nine years. You should, you should. All right. So this is called the naked truth roulette. I'm going to ask you just three random questions. Got nothing to do with real estate. And you get a chance to answer our questions. So the first question is for Justin. Here we go. All right. Let's see what we got. First question for Justin Dixon. What is your favorite food? That is a good question. I think my favorite food right now is uh, I'm vegan. So my favorite food is there's a new vegan restaurant here in Austin and it's, uh, it's sushi. So there's vegan sushi. So that's kind of my favorite current food right now. Awesome. So my oldest son is 110% vegan. Been like that for, I don't know, six, seven years. And like when my wife will make something, he'll be like, did you put butter? Like he'll taste butter. I'm like, how the hell do you like taste this butter on this <laughs> food? Like I taste it. Like I know it. Like we were in Charleston, South Carolina a couple of years back and he took me to a vegan restaurant. I walk in there and I'm, I'm asking for food. I'm like, man, I, this is this. I feel so left out. They don't have anything for me to eat. And he looks at me, he's like, dad, that's how I feel all the time. I'm like, man, you that's know, right. Real. If he felt like that all the time. But anyways, it was definitely different. And he's definitely 110% vegan because he wouldn't even wear anything leather, anything from animal. He's like, oh, that's awesome. Hardcore, like hardcore. He's been like that for six, seven years now. So that's great. All right. Second question. Let's go here. Second question for Justin. If you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would it be? Cartoon character. 
maybe the only thing that comes into my head for whatever reason is Ren and Stimpy. I used to watch that when I was a kid. I wasn't I wasn't allowed to, but I watched it. So that maybe taking over the world. Me. Yeah. Right. Wasn't that the guy who said we're taking over the world? There you go. Okay. Yep. Yep. Awesome. All right. Cool. Last question. Here we go. All right. How many years have been married? No, that's not the question. Yeah. Right. Well, 2013. So whatever the math is. Yeah, on you're that almost, at, you're almost at 10. Yeah. Oh, we missed the best question, but that's okay. My, my favorite question. All right. If you could pick another time to live in, when would it be? Either the future or the past? I think it'd be cool for, it depends on how long we're asking it and like if to live forever, but I'd like to visit kind of back in like the medieval times, you know, back. Like you go back I, for I a year. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change You go back for a year or you go there for okay. a year, you come back. Medieval times, right? I, yeah. I think like the Braveheart, I watched Braveheart for whatever reason the other day it was on TV and I was like, that'd be cool to just like live in Scotland in the Highlands and, you know, live in that time period, I think for a bit, not forever, but for a bit. Interesting. Interesting. So you want, you want a middle ages, Scotland, it's cold, it's raining. But, there you uh, go. but you can wear a skirt, Justin. Nothing wrong exactly with that. right. Nothing wrong with that. Well, I've got I some. I've got some Scottish in me, so uh, you know I, I wouldn't mind it. Well, I've always <laughs> told people like they ask me where I'm from, and I would say, "Hey, I'm Scottish." No, I say I'm Irish. And people look at me like I'm kind of weird, and then I took my DNA test, and I'm like one percent Irish. So I, I didn't really mislead anybody. <laughs> that was pretty neat. So stop this my, my gray hair. I don't know what it is. My my red hair. I don't have any red hair. Cool. Thank you, Justin, for being on the Naked Truth Roulette, and here's yeah, your. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, um, no, I appreciate anything it. Anything else you'd like to say before we, we sign off? No, I'm good. I, this was a lot of fun. It was great to, to meet you and, and talk in person, you know, via Zoom. And But no, this was great. I appreciate the time for sure. Cool. Well, I appreciate being on. And I am your host, Javier Hinojo. Don't lose your shirt. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? Because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks for everybody. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.